Why are black churches growing in the UK and how do they profit from migration and the vibrancy of African Christianity? In an age where Christianity is declining in Europe, black majority churches are on the increase. This is Borderscapes, a podcast connecting the dots. On today's episode, we will be exploring the borders between faith and migration. I am your host, Hannah Hajikai. Just listen to a part of the praise session of the 2019 edition of Festival of Life, a black majority church event where an estimated 40,000 Christians cramped into London Excel Center. The annual event run by the Redeemed Christian Church of God is said to be one of the largest single gatherings of believers in the UK. Church attendance in white churches in the UK is on a steady decline, but black majority churches on the other hand are experiencing a surge. The London Borough of Southwark, which hosts over 240 black majority churches, represents a large concentration of African Christianity. With services featuring a vibrant worship experience, these churches have become a place of refuge, not only for first-generation migrants, but for their children as well. Now, let's hear from Precious Oguna, an MS student at the University of Sussex. So my family are, it's weird, we're, there's a lot of us that are Catholic because of how we were colonized. Um, a lot of us that are Anglican or Church of England in this country. And then there's a lot of us that are um, uh, like Pentecostal. But I think what's really interesting is the style of worship. I think that's the, the difference that they're looking for. Um, I think if they found a church where the style was similar, they would gravitate more towards that. So for example, my mum, and I do this as well, would sometimes go to, would go to Catholic church, but then we would still also go to um, a Pentecostal church, so a, a typical African church. And I think one of the reasons is because it's something that it's, um, it's familiar. So even though I've grown up with kind of a hybrid culture, I can... Um, I'm comfortable in a like a Catholic church that where you know the African children or the minority ethnic minority is um, quite small. The population is quite small, and I'm also comfortable in a um, majority African church only because of the um, the culture. It's easy to assimilate to. So the attraction with the Redeemed Church is the style. Am I right? The style of worship. Um, I actually started going to the Redeemed Church because they um, offered a Bible study 
which is why I went on the Wednesdays. And it was something that wasn't offered in the Catholic Church. But I think the reason why I probably go on certain Sundays is because of, yeah, the style of worship. Um, it's a lot more exuberant. It's a lot more flamboyant. It's a, it's a lot more African, <laughs> should I say. It's, um, you get to really, you, you're not judged for expressing yourself how you really, like how you want to. You're not judged for expressing yourself how you want to, basically. Nalishua Ikachana migrated to the UK from Zambia when she was six years old. Growing up in Wales, she became baptized at the age of 18 and sought a deeper Christian experience. She shares her worship experience in monocultural churches. But I just wanted to compare like the worship experience. Mm. Where do you find a deeper worship experience in the black churches or the white churches? Oh, that's a, that's, that's a tough one. Um, it's, it's crazy because I feel like even for me, I find that I have to, when I do enter black churches, I have to decolonize my own mind because in my mind, when I'm in a black church, because I, you know what the narrative is when you go to black churches, oh my gosh, they're crazy. They just go on the floor, they start rolling, you know? So you just have this mindset that when you're in a black church, people are just kind of acting up, um, not acting up, but, um, you kind of start to like, wait, are people actually feeling the presence of God? Or is this just, you know? So I constantly have to like decolonize my own mind, break down that narrative. But when I am in, for me, worship, I'll speak for myself, worship is so personal. Um, but I will say when I'm in my white church, I don't feel like I can dance or like freely just go for it because there was actually a moment there was a time when I was in church and the person leading worship they said everybody dance right and people started jumping up and down and I remember stopping I was like wait this is not dancing in my culture like what are you doing you're just jumping but I found myself copying and just jumping up and down so um I think for um being in a white church I feel like now I think about it I'm more restricted in the way I can express my worship my worship kind of has to be tamed and it has to fit um how everyone else is worshiping but also I would find that in a black church as well I feel like I would also have to kind of shift towards the style they're worshiping in because I feel like every church has a culture and a culture of worship To find out what other factors contribute to the growth of black majority churches in the UK, I spoke with Reverend Israel Olofinjana. He explained the phenomenon of reverse mission and also highlighted reasons for the growing rates of black majority churches. My name is Israel Oluwale Olofinjana and I'm a Baptist pastor, um, pastor in the Baptist church here in South East London in the Royal Borough of Greenwich, Leach uh, to be precise. And uh, the church is a multicultural church, having about 20 different nationalities. And uh, it's also intergenerational, uh, that is having different generations represented at the church. Um, beside that, um, I run a training center that trains missionaries and pastors from 
Africa uh, and other parts of the world, uh, helping them to understand the British context in terms of mission. And, uh, and lastly, I do a lot of research and writing around black majority churches, African Christianity, world Christianity, uh, diaspora missiology and Pentecostal studies. Basically, um, European missions went to Africa around the 18th century through the evangelical revival that took place across Europe and the United States. So you have missionaries from Europe and later what we now know as North America going to Africa, Asia and different parts sharing the gospel. And through that, uh, the gospel take root through various uh, sharing the gospel, but also building hospice tools, schools, uh, and uh, other things uh, to help uh, sort of social action projects in that sense. And I suppose Christianity now has been on the decline in the European context for various reasons. Uh, one would be the Enlightenment thinking, which almost reduces religion to fairy tales and almost as not relevant for public life. And so also the disentanglement of faith and society, saying religion as something that is private, not public, doesn't really help in that kind of matters. So Christianity is on the decline in the West as it is, but it's actually growing in other parts of the world. So when we talk about world Christianity, Christianity is growing. It's interesting that this year, marks a significant turning point because Africa is now uh, the continent with the largest or highest concentration of Christians all over the world. It used to be Latin America, and today is followed by Latin America. So Christianity is actually growing uh, in Africa, in Latin America, in Asia. But as it is growing, they are also becoming the mission senders. So there's a lot of African missionaries, uh, either through individual churches, or true mission agencies or organization who are sending pastors and missionaries either to gather together church members who have relocated to the West uh, or to start a new project. And uh, in that sense, so hence the term reverse mission uh, in that sense. Uh, and so that's what we are living through at the moment. Uh, it's still a new phenomenon uh, that is emerging in our context. What we now know as black majority churches started with the Windrush generation, uh, the Caribbean migrants and from 1948 to the 60s when those churches started, some would say as they were not welcomed in some of the historic denominations or churches, some of them went to start their own churches. Uh, but that's not the only narrative there. Uh, there are those who definitely came from the Caribbean and who felt British Christianity was very cold in terms of its worship because they have come from, some of them have come from Pentecostal settings and where you have exuberant and expressive worship, which will be very different from what you get maybe in a church of England uh, or high church of England or in that context. So, so many of them felt that there was a difference in the way worship is expressed and so wanted something independent and so did that. Uh, started those churches that we now know as black majority churches. So that, that's another factor. Another was the whole mission factor 
some people feel that they are called to look after their own people. Uh, the question is always being asked that if no one is looking out for Caribbeans, Africans, who's going to look out for them if their own people don't look out for them? So hence, starting some of these uh, churches. Uh, so th those are some of the issues that has led to sort of what we, you know, we might see as segregation of churches or monocultural churches or white churches here or black churches there. But another factor is uh, doctrinal differences, uh, which also play a large part. Uh, some African Pentecostal churches are heavily into uh, prosperity gospel. And some of the churches are not into that. So again, that will account for some of the differences or even maybe how we organize our churches, how we do church plants accounts for differences as well. And so you will have different types of churches uh, who will want to do different things. And so these are some of the reasons uh, that has led to white churches here, black churches there in that respect. To further understand the borders between faith and migration, I interviewed Reverend Chris McDermott, the lead chaplain at the University of Sussex. Chris provided insight on the attraction for the formation of black churches and their influence on Orthodox church practices. Uh, they they began with a um, perhaps a, a core group of people from a particular community, and so whether that be Caribbean or whether that be in Nigeria or some other uh, place in the world, uh, it would be a natural attraction to other uh, people from that same area of the world. And at times, the leadership of the church is the larger leadership. Uh, uh, especially when those local churches had um, larger organizational connections, may sometimes have been based outside of the country uh, in other parts of the world. So that's why I think that that was one poll. Um, another uh, poll might have been originally perhaps more negative uh, when um, especially for people coming to the country back in the 50s, late 40s, uh, to settle. Um, many were parts of established churches already in their countries, but when they arrived in England, um, they found uh, less than a hospitable welcome. And so uh, they would form their own uh, churches eventually. And, and that would be a draw to other people who would be coming into the country, possibly experiencing those same prejudices, but finding a, a, a place where they could actually feel at home, feel welcomed, feel like a part of a majority. Uh, so that, that uh, was probably uh, another pull for some of the immigrant uh, attraction to the independent churches. But it, uh, it also uh, may have been about um, the the, uh, the 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 feel of the churches as well. Quite apart from whether someone was welcomed or not, um, some of the churches uh, and 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 Christians coming from other parts of the world might have been used to a more vibrant kind of worship experience, uh, and that was very often not the case in some of the churches they might visit. And so sometimes it was a need. 
need for a more uh, dynamic worship experience that uh, perhaps motivated the creation of some of the churches. And, and people would be attracted to that dynamism when they were used to that uh, in their home country. An Anglican church and uh, um, maybe some uh, African country will probably feel a lot more lively than uh, uh, by certain standards than uh, some of the churches might uh, in America or here, uh, Episcopalian or Anglican. So, so I think it also had to do with, uh, uh, you know, what felt natural, what felt right. The influences have already uh, been felt in different ways. Uh, um, uh, in, in many churches uh, back because I grew up Roman Catholic, um, and I uh, uh, was involved in the Catholic Charismatic Renewal back in the seventies, and uh, and, I, and I realized that that was a place, a point where uh, even the Catholic uh, Church was being influenced by um, the more enthusiastic contributions uh, and, and atmospheres and styles of worship uh, that we find in the independent churches. And I think uh, the majority black churches, Pentecostal churches, I think you know, it's much larger than simply just black majority churches. Those influences are already, I think, being fed into uh, um, uh, the mainstream experience of, uh, uh, of of the church. And in many cases, that charismatic renewal has continued to uh, um, uh, be a vital force within the Catholic Church, Lutheran Church, Anglican churches uh, around the world. And I think to some extent, uh, that can be said to be uh, uh, at least partly influenced by uh, majority black churches as well, and especially the take on uh, the vital work of the Holy Spirit uh, in the life of Christian. There is no gainsaying the fact that migration from Africa has been a key factor in the growing number of black churches in the UK. And for the second and third generation, the fascination appears to be a vibrant worship experience and an atmosphere that encourages diversity. To echo Reverend Israel, every church must answer the question each generation is asking. Also, the kind of questions each generation is asking is very different. Uh, for the first generation, it will be a question of survival and visa. How can I get my stay and visas? That's one of the existential questions people wrestle with from Africa. But for second generation, it's not about that. It's about um, how can I make my impact? How can I connect with my surrounding? Um, uh, you know, how can I overcome? some of the racial tension that is still going on. And, and so it's a different set of questions that they are wrestling with. And we have to make sure that in our churches, we create spaces for these questions to be asked or else they will be asked somewhere else. Uh, and so we have to intentionally do that uh, to be able to make sure that uh, we keep our second generation and educate them with our own history and culture but at the same time, they can also educate us with their own uh, questions and thinking around faith. 
My name is Hannah Ajakai, and you've been listening to Faith Without Borders, an episode of the Borderscapes podcast produced with the support of the School of Media, Film and Music and a Digital Practice Award at the University of Sussex. Martin Spinelli and Lee Gooden were executive producers. Our team music was composed by Rahul Panchal and our graphic design was by Hannah Beltran Silva. We had technical help from George Robinson. Additional episode music credit info is available on our website, borderscapes.org. And for social media, we are at Borderscapes Pod. Thank you for listening.